Girl, <laughs> not 2022. I know. How could it possibly be? How? No, it couldn't. <laughs> no, I really don't think so. <laughs> God. Uh... Can you believe that 2002 was 20 years ago? Stop. <laughs> Isn't that frightfully upsetting? Oh my God. Is that what we're going to do today? We're going to talk about how time is a thief. I started school. <laughs> 20 years ago. I know. Isn't that just insanity? (laughs) And you know, we're going to talk about a lot of things today, but you know what we're not going to talk about? What are we not going to talk about? Bruno. (laughs) He's already mad at me. It's not even been like a minute and a half. (laughs) And you're up to your first termination of the season. (laughs) I've missed you behind the mic. I really have. I've missed you too. Welcome back to Kicking and Streaming, where we don't talk about Bruno. <laughs> I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And this week, <laughs> you're already mad at me. This week, we'd like to say hi from hiatus. <laughs> and what a hiatus it's been. Don't you feel like it's been a thousand years since we went off air? I know. And like, I swear to God, both this year and last year, the the the, the hiatus was wild. I know. I know. The hiatus is wild every single time. We had an insurrection last hiatus. <laughs> oh my God. The one before that, we went into a pandemic. Oh, my God. And Penny White. Listen. Oh, my God. Listen. (laughs) I know. I know. Guys, there's so many. There's so many ups and downs to talk about. I, I can't. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. Before we get started, don't forget, go follow us on Twitter at Kick and Stream. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. You can write the show at kickingandstreamingpodcast at gmail.com. That's with an and, not an ampersand. And don't forget, folks, please be practicing in 2022 the three R's. Rate, review, retweet. Rate, review, retweet, folks. We want everyone to come and join this little watch party. Come and be a little onion yourself. Oh, yeah. Guys, at the end of this episode, we've got a big announcement coming for you. I think you guys can guess what it is, but we'll wait for the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We wouldn't want to spoil the surprise. Going to be expanding some content this year. (laughs) Do we want to get our Zuck book back? (laughs) No. I I, I mean, I don't know. I feel like it's a way to reach a lot of people, but like, I don't know if I care. I know. Like, white supremacists are horrible and they flourish there. I can't believe you spend more time locked out of Zuck book for calling out (laughs) white supremacy than actual white supremacists. I mean, I totally believe Leave it. But, I mean, but aren't they pro hurtful content anyway? Oh my god. Suck book. This is a whole can of worms. Let's talk about them kids. I'm uh, kidding. No. We don't have any time for that. All right, so, like, I mean, I hate to start out on this note, but 2022 did us the goddamn disrespect of starting out on this note. On New Year's Eve... I legitimately lost my mind for the better part of the afternoon. Oh, yeah. No, I that was the worst cosmic joke the world could have possibly played on us. And you know what? I was doing fine that day. I was going to sit my happy ass down on the couch, watch a little TV until I had to I had to kill some time to go do something. And then you called me. Yep. You called me. 
I did. And you said, did you see? Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? And you were like, Betty, she's gone. She's gone. And I was, I literally, I sat there in silence for like 30 seconds and I was like. He did. No. He did. He thought I was lying. I was like, nah, what a cruel joke. And she was like, no, it's true. And after like 30 more seconds of silence, I just told her, I was like, I can't talk to you about this right now. Yeah, no, you couldn't. You... I hung up the phone. I said, <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't, I can't talk to you right now. Guys, when I tell you he has never hung up on me, like not in earnestness, when he hung up on me, I pulled the phone away from my ear and I went, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> He's in a bad way. And I absolutely lost my mind on Twitter. Oh no, you did. And I was just like, you... I was like, I knew it. I fucking knew it. We've been saying this was going to happen for the last five years. He said she's going to get right up to it and not make it. You And by it, you mean her 100th birthday. Which was to be this past January 17th. Yeah, I hope you guys poured one out for Betty on the 17th. I know I did. Like, they legitimately were selling out theaters around the country to watch that special they put together for her birthday. Mm-hmm. Out of all of the entertainers alive today... Up until New Year's Eve, Betty White had been working in the industry longest. I know. She started out in 1949. She had a popular sitcom in the early 1950s. It was called Life with Elizabeth. That's right. And then she had the Betty White show Mm -hmm. in the 50s. And then in the 60s, she was, of course, popular by becoming a, quote, television personality. Well, I don't know what show she's on, but that friggin' segment where she is trying to wrangle the camel. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Yes, could you just get the phone? (laughs) And that camel picks up the phone. (laughs) I love that. And that guy is feeding the camel a bottle, and she goes... Pulls the bottle out of his mouth and goes, he has to drive home, Charlie. (laughs) Betty White can do pretty much anything, but most of her career has been stinted in comedy. Oh, I mean, there has never been another comedian who had the timing that Betty White has, which I realize is also a cruel way to look at the timing of her death. Yeah, I know. Like it was just some big middle finger to all of us. Like, bye, guys. Well, for the last 10 years... People have been joking about Betty White's death. Yeah. Memeing it, doing whatever they can, you know. And like, it's become like a trigger warning thing on Twitter. Every time somebody goes to see Betty White trending, they're like, oh God, is she dead? (laughs) Yeah, is this it? Is this it? Is this it, Toad? And then she finally was. I know. That was the worst part. After she did all of the lovely things she did in the 1950s, in the 60s and 70s, she garnered even more household fame by being on popular game shows. Oh my God. Because game shows took off in the 1960s. The Hollywood Squares. Uh, yeah, that I think that's more of a 70s, 80s thing, but or, yeah, or, she was hot on the squares. No, match game. Match game? That match too. game. By doing all the game shows and by doing all the talk shows, I became a, quote, television personality. A part of the body you have two of. <laughs> Legs. First, I want to tell Betty White I killed seven flies before I left home. And she then I want to them say, to death. Yeah. Oh my freaking God! The one she's most famous for is Password. That's right! Jimmy Fallon sometimes does Password on his show. Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? Just as a call out. I know. And you know, the host of Password, when it first came on the air, was a man named Alan Ludden. 
Oh, Alan. And Alan Ludden would become Betty White's uh, new husband for the next 18 years. Oh, and they, they, oh my God. If two people ever loved each other so much. They were married from 1963 to 1981, and they missed 18 years by three days. I know. Isn't that awful? That is awful. She lost him. How old was she? She was almost 50. Oh, my God. So she wasn't even on the Golden Girls yet. She spent more than half her life without her husband. Oh, no. I know. Alan Ludden's beautiful wife, Betty White. Hello, Betty. Hello, Alan. What are your plans for the summer, Betty? What did you have in mind, Alan? (laughs) (laughs) There is nothing you can take to relieve that lovely ache. I'm not sick. I'm just in love. I know. That's so sad. And you know, she never remarried. Mm-mm. Alan was the only one for her. Yeah, that was one of the only things you said to me in those few minutes after we found out that I w- managed to cling to. You said on the phone, you said, well, she's with Alan now. Yeah. They are looking into each other's eyes at this very moment. I just, I, I'm sure it's just an ecstatic reunion. Oh my God. And of course, you know, all of the lovely things that she's known for by being in the Norman Lear Mafia. <laughs> in the 1970s. The whole idea of the television sitcom was revolutionized by creator Norman Lear with a little sitcom known as All in the Family. Oh, God. And from All in the Family and sketch comedy like from The Carol Burnett Show stems this group of actors that just remain timeless classic performers in your television viewing lexicon. Yeah, that's why they have such great chemistry because they work together all the time. Like Carol O'Connell and Gene Stapleton and B. Arthur and Esther Raleigh. Yes! And Sherman Hemsley. Yes! Yes. Uh, Like (laughs) Mary Tyler Moore, Rue McClanahan, you know, like Carol Burnett and Harvey Corman and Tim Conway. So yes, these are all members of the Norman Lear Mafia. Then, you know, you have All in the Family, Good Times, Sanford and Son, Maud, yeah. which translates into, you know, The Golden Girls and, of course, Mama's Family mm-hmm. and all of these great sitcoms of the 70s and 80s. On the Mary Tyler Moore show, uh, Betty White landed a role pretty late in the game. I think she her character wasn't even introduced till like season three or season four. Oh, yeah. She played the neurotic Sue Ann Nivens. Yeah. <laughs> is a character who works at the uh, broadcast station in the Mary Tyler Moore show where she has her own cooking segment. <laughs> oh, I always take my Christmas show in advance. That way I can spend the season of joy and goodwill with my only sister in Florida. Uh-huh. Oh, that's nice. She's kind of a creep, but she's got a pool. <laughs> And then obviously, you know, she got offered to do The Golden Girls in 1985, and she was offered the role of Blanche Devereaux. Oh my land. And you know, she was going to take it. Mm. But then she and Rue was like, don't you hate that we're basically playing the same exact characters that we just played, like she did in Mary Tyler Moore, yeah. and like Rue McClanahan did in Maud. Right. And so they decided they would switch, and I can't imagine it any other way. No, it's so weird to think about Rue playing Rose. Be- Be- Betty, there's no other person for Rose but Betty White. All our children were conceived on special St. Olaf holidays. Adam was conceived on the day of the Princess Pig when they had the pig crowning, and Janella was conceived on Hay Day. That's the day we St. Olafians celebrate hay. 
Rose, do you think you could wrap this up before Rebecca goes into labor? Then there was the day of the wheat when everybody came to town dressed as sandwiches. <laughs> Charlie and I forgot to put cheese between us, and before I knew it, there was Kirsten. <laughs> What did we say that afternoon? We were talking on the phone on New Year's Eve. What did we say? I said, oh, yeah. I said, I hope, I hope that Rue is popping the champagne and B is cracking some wise about how long it took her. <laughs> and Estelle's just happy they're all together again. Yeah. Because Estelle went first. I know. And like, that's so sad. I know. And then, of course, beyond Golden Girls, she does the Golden Palace and all of that lovely stuff. She's on Empty Nest, which is another spinoff of the Golden Girls. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, she doesn't do a great deal between the end, between the early 90s and the mid millennium. Oh, man. And when the millennium came around, Betty came back. Indeed. Well, of course, she she does appear in a lovely little 1995 film (laughs) called Lake Placid. I just, I, I just need you to see if you can find the audio and reason for why this movie is so good. Well, your husband burned you. You didn't by any chance lead him to the lake blindfolded. If I had a dick, this is where I'd tell you to suck it. You're all cocksuckers. <laughs> Here, I can never, I will never forget. Having not too long ago become aware of Betty White <laughs> at seven, eight, nine, and then hearing the word cocksucker <laughs> or dick come out of her mouth, I was like, I, I, that used to tickle dad pink. <laughs> like, he used to love that movie about Betty White living in Maine, feeding a gigantic crocodile. <laughs> With cattle from her farm. With cattle from her farm. Just pushing the cows in the lake. Like, here you go. Spoiler, she fed her dead husband to him. (laughs) Like, oh my God. (laughs) I can't. I can't. But no, I just, she has been kind of like, you know how everyone in Britain's like, the most consistent thing in my life is the queen? Yeah. I feel like in America, the most consistent thing in our life was always Betty White. No, yeah, she's a transgenerational phenomenon. I literally, and then, of course, how could I forget to mention the Facebook, the Zuckbook campaign <laughs> to get her to host SNL in 2010? <laughs> and she, she did, like, the Mother's Day show. She did! In 2010 on, on Saturday Night Live. Oh, my God. And it was the most popular episode of Saturday Night Live <laughs> In a decade, <laughs> she won an Emmy Award <laughs> for hosting Saturday Night Live. Oh my she God. already has tons of Emmys from Mary Tyler Moore and from the Golden Girls. <laughs> Not that sketch with the muffins. I know. <laughs> Florence, there's a tangy taste in this muffin. Is that a cherry? Oh, no, no, my muffin hasn't had a cherry since 1939. <laughs> Betty White has just been trolling us for the last 20 years. I mean, I, I that's why you fail. <laughs> Don't you love the community cameo? <laughs> I do. I do. How is she even supposed to be teaching them in that episode? Anthropology. Oh, my God. <laughs> I respect you. That's why you fail. <laughs> it's excellent. One more honorable mention. The Snickers Super Bowl commercial. <laughs> Mike, what is your deal, oh, man? come on, man. You've been riding me all day. Mike, you're playing like Betty White out there. That's not what your girlfriend said. Oh, baby. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, Eat a Snickers. 
Better? Better. You're not you when you're hungry. Snickers satisfies. <laughs> what the fuck, Betty? <laughs> Betty just did whatever she wanted. Like, she did the SNL performance <laughs> and then did whatever she wanted for the rest of her life. She's like 50 years of her life being an absolute living legend. <laughs> Telling Ryan Reynolds that he'll never get over her and then dying two days later. Oh my fucking What God. the absolute fuck? <laughs> All right, for our middle segment here, let, let's talk about some of the things that we've been watching since we went on hiatus. Well, since you come first, why don't you go first? Tell me a little bit about what you've been watching, Gary. Well, I mean, like, I've been trying to get back into some other things. Like, I've been watching a lot of South Park. And oh, it, my God. No, it's as awful and nihilistic as I remember. Listen, I never watch South Park, like, <laughs> ever. But, like, when I do watch episodes with you, <laughs> I am both laughing hysterically and also just generally horrified. Oh, no, yeah. I think that's what they're going for. <laughs> Am I doing it right, Gerald? <laughs> Stop! I'm sorry. It's so awful. Oh, God. There are so many foul parts of that show. Okay. What else? And then um, I also have recently got into Succession. Is that with all the whiny white people vowing for control of their father's company? Yes, yes. <laughs> yes, you hit the nail right on the head. I've described it as like... Game of Thrones meets House of Cards, but, like, that actually makes it sound too exciting. But, like, it's like what you say about House of Cards. It's great theater. Okay. It's the it's got the third Macaulay Culkin in it, doesn't it? <laughs> it, it does. Okay, it, yeah. It has the Kieran Culkin. The third Macaulay Culkin? Mule. The third Gillum McCullough-Cuddy? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean, I've been trying to do a lot of things. Like, we watched Arcane, and um, <laughs> I also just found a whack movie on Netflix called The House. I don't want to talk about that right now because I was hit with that as soon as I walked in the door and it looks super nopey. Guys. It, it the, looks like an acid trip. Yeah. The fr- I thought I was on acid watching the trailer. Like this, so, the friggin' stop motion dolls with the squinched up faces. Uh, it's not for me. It's nightmare fuel. Don't watch the rest of it. <laughs> don't. I'm gonna. All right. I'm gonna. Don't do that, but all right. Well, what other things have you been watching? Well, you know, the internet was broken this past January by the long awaited release of Euphoria Season 2 on HBO. Yeah. And there has been constant barrages of Euphoria content on my timeline and lots of memes. And I thought, you know what? I never did try it out. My roommate had watched a little bit of it and was telling me a little bit about it. And so I was like, you know what? I'll give it a try. I started it. Season one, episode one. Shout out to Amelia for having HBO Max. (laughs) Thank you to everyone whose streaming platforms I mooch from. (laughs) You are keeping me in business. (laughs) But I watched that first episode of Euphoria. Season one, episode one. I was triggered. Oh, no. Now, listen. We got up to some pretty whack shit in high school. Uh Uh-huh. But we weren't. Poppin' mystery pills. Oh, no. I know that they live in SoCal. Uh-huh. And so it's probably just different. I live in the middle of Indiana. <laughs> 
We weren't popping mystery pills in high school, you know? Oh, my God. We could hardly get booze. <laughs> what are you saying about SoCal, bud? I'm saying it's crazier. <laughs> yeah, And okay. you know that's true. You're right. I don't have right. to live there to know it. <laughs> I watch television. Ross. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. But still, the, these children, these children. They are children. On this show. Well, these 25-year-olds playing 17-year-olds. Like, they need round-the-clock supervision. <laughs> you think so? That white boy? <laughs> that white boy? The really good-looking one? Yeah. The one who's my type but is evil? Uh-huh. Hate it. He's evil. All right. And he's not even an adult yet. <laughs> the things he does on that show, the ways he behaves, he's not, he's not, he should not be allowed to be in public. And I mean, I love, I mean, obviously I love Zendaya. She gives a great performance. Like, I love the writing. The writing's really good. And I, I think it's an overall good show. It just makes me feel oogie. Because <laughs> these poor children are in really, really bad situations. Like, shit that most adults shouldn't and don't have to deal with. Yeah. You know? And it's, and it's all... For drugs. Yeah. And it's all for ab- substance abuse. Yeah, no, when I see people talk about it online, I'm like, guys, it cannot be that good. I mean, it's it's the drama. It's it's honestly just the drama. It's great theater. It, I mean, no, not really. Like, <laughs> it's stylistically very good, but like, you know, I have to watch the... I've only seen four episodes of it, even though I started this like two weeks ago, because I can't... I'm not binging it. It's one of those shows that I started, but I just can't binge. It's a sometimes food. It's too much. And this is from a man who watches Handmaid's Tale I on know, a loop. I know, right? I love brutal television. But apparently uh, Euphoria is too much. Well, the thing is, it's like, it's more relatable to me. I get it. You know I get what it. I mean? You don't know what it's like to be an oppressed woman. Uh, yeah, I don't know what it's like to be a handmaid. <laughs> yeah. But like, you know, with The Handmaid's Tale... That's like the most epic, longest movie. Yeah, I know. You know what I mean yeah. with how that's done? And I love that. But like with fucking Euphoria, it's it's just like, it's it gets a little ridiculous. Uh-huh. I think I kind of know the storyline throughout, because you know I like to read ahead. Yeah. But I, but I don't see myself cherishing this. It's just one of the newer things I've been watching. Let's talk about some of the movies we've seen since we went on hiatus. Okay. Or, or shall we say long form, like feature length presentations. So we dragged ourselves to the theater to see House of Gucci, guys. <laughs> it's a me, Jared Leto. <laughs> guys? Okay. We oh. went to AMC. <laughs> Which, first of all, Nicole Kidman deserves an Oscar <laughs> for her portrayal of the presenter in the AMC trailer, where she welcomes us to the movies. That was so weird. And tells us to keep our fucking mouth shut and turn off our phones. She can do anything. I know. <laughs> <laughs> we were hankering down for what we did not know was going to be a three-hour affair. Like, just about after the previews, yeah. You have a half hour of previews at AMC. <laughs> after, you know, 30 bucks before you, your ass hits the seat. <laughs> and then... <laughs> but you know what? The seats are great. They are I good. I love reclining. <laughs> But the soda tastes like ass. <laughs> the butter is curdled in the butter thing. 
The popcorn is mostly kernels. Okay, no, we have to talk about the movie. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I was expecting greatness from Stephanie Germanata, and I got it. Oh, no, yeah, she carried that. Lady Gaga, guys, she was the best part of the film. And we all knew she was going to be the best part of the film. My thing is, I was thinking about the members of the cast who are actually Italian. The whole movie is, of course, about the life of Patrizia Gucci and the break of her marriage from her husband and her plot to have him assassinated. Yep. And, you know, the whole thing, of course, takes place in Italy. Some parts in Switzerland. Yeah. <laughs> those are great scenes. And those are great scenes. But she's just so damn cute and so beautiful. And an actual Italian-American? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Adam Driver. <laughs> I've never been a big fan of Adam Driver's work. He's fine. Like, he was cute in it. Yeah, he sure was. I thought he did a good job. Yeah, I also did. I, didn't, I thought his accent was going to be way more laughable, but no. Oh, no. Nothing could have prepared me. Oh, no. Everybody got out clowned in this movie, and we will get to that in a second. Like Al Pacino. Al Pacino, yes. And I thought he did great. I've I've hardly ever seen an Al Pacino movie in my life. Really? And that was like one of the only things I've actually sat down with that has Al Pacino in it and watched all the way through. He's not typically in the movies that get your jollies going. No, not really. But like, I thought he gave a great performance. He did. I believed him every step of the way. Let's talk about who I didn't believe. Okay? (laughs) Hold on, hold on, wait. Okay? Also, Salma Hayek. I know, but like, whatever. You know they were supposed to have a gay scene? Salma Hayek and Lady Gaga? Why? Didn't they? I think it got cut. Like, of all the things they could have cut from that two-hour and 45-minute movie... I would have much rather cut (laughs) Adam Driver and Lady Gaga's sex scene. That was... Okay, listen. He is just slamming her into that desk. (laughs) It is so violent. Like, I've never seen... It's not violent. It's completely consensual. But, like, I've, I've always heard the term pile drive... I've never seen it in Pile action. Pile Adam Driver. Stop. Adam Pile Driver. <laughs> yes. <laughs> stop, Gary. <laughs> You're the one who needs to stop. Oh, my God. No, but, like, guys, like, again, all these people did great except for one. Just hold it, hold it in. Hold it in. I don't want to anymore. <laughs> I want to sing out, Louise. Okay. You know what? Go ahead. I don't know why Hollywood insists on putting Jared Leto into these Christian Bale situations <laughs> where he must vehemently transform his physical form in order to make a million dollars off a motion picture. Remember Dallas Buyers Club? Oh, God. He screwed himself over for that. Yeah. Now, they could have made him go the Dick Cheney route like Christian Bale did, like when he gained all the weight for Dick Cheney. That's all him in Dick Cheney? Yeah. Wh- well, not all him. Well, not all him, I'm sure. Not in the face, but like... The weight. Wow. I know. But, but they said, you know what, Jared? Instead of making you get really fat because we love your body, we're just going to put a fat suit on you. Oh, you know how I feel about fat suits. And dress you up to make you look like Paolo Gucci. <laughs> I mean, hey... I'll give them this. He practically disappears under the makeup. No, he becomes a nut a person. Oh, no, yeah, like d- d- Al Pacino himself did not know it was him the first time he saw him on set. Like, it is so absent. And the character is so awkward <laughs> and 
existentially awkward, even. Like, yeah. You have a gift, I'm telling you. Oh, stop. Stop, you're going to make me. You're going to make me cry. Nobody has ever said that to me. Nobody. Paolo, why don't you have your own line? These are just mock-ups. I can't afford to get serious. With your gift and your talent and your vision. Are you kidding? Gucci needs no blood. Goodbye, 1930s. Hello, 80s. Ah. Guys, there was a period in the middle of the film, about a 20-minute period, <laughs> where Lady Gaga is not in the film. That was a rough 20 minutes. It was the longest 20 minutes <laughs> of my life. They weren't even doing anything. <laughs> it was just shots of places and them sitting in them. <laughs> Looking Gucci-esque or whatever the term should be. And listen, obviously Patrizia Reggiani had her husband murdered. Like, the film does not at all cast doubts on this or try to say that this is not exactly what happened. Like the scene where she and Salma Hayek meet with the hitman. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love what Gaga says about, you know, uh, she's like, I don't think, like, obviously Patrizia Reggiani did some time for helping to arrange her husband's murder, but she's a free woman now. Really? Yeah, she's out of prison. Oh, wow. She's been out of prison for a few years. And um, I think that, because Reggiani was originally pleased that this film was getting made uh-huh. and that Gaga was playing her. But then after, I think, getting a peek at it, she was like, mm, I don't know. I don't know if I like this. I mean, oh, you don't like them portraying the murder yeah. that you <laughs> yeah. arranged of your husband, uh-huh. the father of your two children? Yeah. Anyway, and I love what Gaga says about, you know, she doesn't believe Patrizia Reggiani is a good person, but in order to play her, she had to love her. Right. In order to get her right. And I think she absolutely gets her right. Oh, she hit it out of the park. And I honestly think she deserves an award. (laughs) It it doesn't have to be an Oscar, but it should be something. Obviously, The Godfather, it was not. Like, I think all of us expected The Godfather with better costumes. Indeed. And that's not what we got. And that's really not how it was billed. So I don't know what all of us were expecting. I don't know if it was the Al Pacino of it all or the Italy of it all, but... Regardless, no, it's not The Godfather. It's not going to be the greatest movie you ever see. But I do believe it will become a queer classic. Like a queer cult. I do believe it'll become a queer. House of Gucci? A queer cult favorite. I don't know about that. I think it will. Uh, I don't know. The only reason we went to see that movie was because of Lady Gaga. Yeah, but like. And you couldn't take your eyes off of her. You really couldn't. She was cute as a button the whole time. The accent. The fits. Yeah, I know. The fits were out of this world. Mm. Like, and I'm sorry. It's just, it's got big gay vibes about it in some places and like I I really wish I could qualify that better it's just a feeling it's a feeling not a fact absolutely (laughs) but it is a feeling you know what else we have to celebrate what's that MJ Rodriguez Oh! Just became the first trans Golden Globe winner. Oh my God. Isn't that amazing? Baby, I'm so proud of you. MJ. Oh, I love her so much. She's so fine. She's exquisite. I love Pose so and much. I'm sad it's over. I know. I'm also big sad it's over. That is one of the most phenomenal female performances I have ever ever seen. I love it. Oh, it's so wonderful. I absolutely love it. It, 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 it. There's so much heart in everything she does. I know. It's really great. There's so much 
part in that show. I know, I know. It feels normal. Yeah. That show feels like normal. It feels like home to me. Yeah. I love it. It's just overflowing with not only this deep and personal struggle for all of these characters, but also the writing is excellent and it's acted perfectly. One of Ryan Murphy's better productions. Yeah, and I got by far, I, like probably a superior production by far. And I mean, I'm not going to give Ryan Murphy all the credit either. That show is written, created, and produced by trans people. Yeah, no, that's what I was getting ready to say. Is like it's probably one of his better things because he stayed away from it for the most part. Indeed, he indeed. Wrote them a check and said, "Go have fun." I love how they uh, the first season it stars it, top the the three cis white people get top billing. Uh huh. You know, and then by season two they're gone. Oh, it's a Trojan horse. I know. It's just like Orange is the New Black. Exactly. Orange is the New Black was billed as a white woman's struggle inside the prison system. And it expanded to so much more. Oh, it did. And I just... mm, I love that. I love it. MJ, congratulations. You more than deserve it. All right. Now we got to talk about one of the last things. All right. Our last item for this segment is we got to talk about... The Harry Potter reunion special. Oh, boy. (laughs) So, if you know anything about me, Ross McMichael, you know that Harry Potter is my favorite thing. It's been a tough few years for you, hasn't it? When I found out that this reunion was happening on HBO and it was going to happen New Year's Day, I came right to you. You did. And I said, so I guess we know what we're doing New Year's Day. And you know, I came over to watch it on New Year's Day with Carrie Ann. Obviously, we were a little sad. Betty had just gone the day before. Yeah. And it was really, really nice. And because I thought all the trailer material looked really nice, all the featured material from it looked really nice, and it did deliver. It really did. My The thing I was most worried about was... Joanne Rowling not being able to participate in it at all because it is her creation. She has everything to do with its existence. But obviously, I've put her on the shelf. Yeah. You know, she's where she belongs. She used to be one of my heroes, but then she showed her teeth and showed me who she really was. And I just kind of had to put her on the shelf. With all of my other fallen heroes. It's getting crowded up there. I know. I know. I thought it was so hilarious. (laughs) Because she is in the reunion. If you haven't seen it, J.K. Rowling is in it. It's archival footage. Every time she comes up on screen, they be sure. (laughs) They are sure to put in nice little golden letters up in the top right part of the screen. Recorded in 2019. <laughs> As if to say in big, in big bold gold letters, she wasn't here, guys. No, 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 we no. We didn't invite her. No. <laughs> Which, good on them. And you know, the, the whole special was great. It was great getting to see everybody back together again and enjoying each other's company. I was oh. sad Julie Walters wasn't there. <laughs> I was sad Maggie Smith wasn't there. I was sad Michael Gambon wasn't there. But <laughs> they must have other things going on like being old. Yeah, I know. You the, know what I mean? Sometimes you just want to stop sitting for interviews. Exactly. I love that Gary Oldman was there. He was. Big time Gary Oldman was not too cool for school. And Robbie Coltrane. Oh, and- Robbie Coltrane broke all of us. I know. 
I know, and Mark Williams, and of course the trio, and Tom Felton, and Bonnie Wright, and Ivana Lynch, and what's the Alfie Enoch? That that's who you like from How to Get Away with Murder. Yes, because he's Dean Thomas, and he's so attractive. I thought it was so because also the whole thing with them showing a picture of young Emma Roberts <laughs> and not young Emma Watson. I laughed so hard. What an embarrassing <laughs> oversight. Oh, no, yeah. And then when they put James and Oliver Phelps, when they put their lower thirds on screen, they switched them. Oh, my God. And I was James's was on Oliver's and Oliver's was on James's. Like, I was laughing my ass off because... Wow, we're identical. <laughs> yeah, no, because it's like, he's not Fred, I am. <laughs> Honestly, woman, you call yourself our mother. Oh, sorry, George. <laughs> Only joking. I, I am Fred. Fred. <laughs> I'm joking. I am Fred. I'm not convinced they didn't do that to them. I know. <laughs> when they came in for the interview, like, oh, I'm James, I'm Ollie, and they'd switch and places. And they switched them. Oh my God, that'd have been so funny. I love the little scene because I love how they all get kind of little interviews with each other, all of them. Not a bit of that seemed forced. No, not at all. That was one of the most pleasure pleasurable. That was one of the most pleasant things about it is sometimes with reunion specials, it can feel a little canned and a little rehearsed. But like this was all so organic. Yeah. It was like somebody videotaped a family reunion. And oddly, one of the biggest things you take away from it is that Emma Watson was hopelessly in love with Tom Felton. I mean, weren't we all, babe? And Rupert Grant was hopelessly in love with Emma Watson. <laughs> and um, none of it worked out. Oh. I'm kidding. That's awful. No. But, I... like, here's the thing. I thought Tom Felton was taken. I don't know. He's single. He's single? And you know who else is single? Emma Watson. Emma Watson. And Guys. everyone really wants it to happen. <laughs> I really want it to happen. But I don't know. They are human beings with their own lives, and they're kind of like brother and sister. I love the way Emma Watson has just become this human rights advocate known globally. Mm -hmm. I love that Rupert Grant is doing nothing, (laughs) basically. God bless him. He has all his money, and he's just doing whatever he wants with it. And I love that Daniel Radcliffe is literally doing whatever fucking role (laughs) he feels like doing. He just got cast as Weird Al (laughs) in a Weird Al Yankovic biopic. I have so many questions. (laughs) I always think of that picture of him with the the clawfoot slippers and the two guns. (laughs) (laughs) That was all of us, like, early pandemic. I know. (laughs) And you know... What was fascinating to me is that as I'm watching it, I was appreciating for the first time that no other group of actors, as in the three of them, Mm -hmm. have ever experienced something the likes of which they have experienced through this franchise. (laughs) Think about it. There, There are no other actors. I mean, yes, we all watch child actors grow up. But this was an insane franchise across, like, what, 12 years of making movies? And yep. we watched them grow up from itty-bitty kids to, like, full-grown adults. All of those older actors grew up with them. Mm-hmm. And, like, this was a friggin' phenomenon. Absolutely. The whole world was watching them. It, it 
it almost got to Emma. Like she, That's right, yeah. She, she wanted to pull out at they, one point. They talked about her not wanting to come back to do the fifth film. And I couldn't even imagine it any other way, I right? I know, no, it, it would have been It would have been ruined. And we've seen them all the way through to adulthood. And each one of them, I was worried after Deathly Hallows Part 2 came out. When we came out of that theater, one of the first thoughts I had was, Oh my God, what do you do next? Exactly, yeah. This is one of the largest and most popular film franchises in history. But all of them have managed to find their own way. Indeed. And that's beautiful. They're all doing okay. I love it. And I like that, you know, I love the evolution of all the films. I, You know, I wonder what all, all of the films would have looked like if my boyfriend Chris Columbus... Hadn't quit after two. Oh, they would have been better. You think so? I do! I almost think so, too! (laughs) You know? And I love that they address some things, like the Peeves erasure. Right? And (laughs) honoring the legacy of Alan Rickman. Oh, my God. uh, They did such a good job. And the fact that these three young, these three tiny children who were offered the biggest roles of all time, the trio... And then they get to work with all of these very important, very accredited, seasoned actors in Great Britain. Amazing. Really amazing. And it was really nice to get them all together. I love it when Helena Bonham Carter is sitting with Dan (laughs) and she makes him read a note that he gave to her on the set of Order of the Phoenix. As he was opening it, I was looking at the screen going, Helena, you didn't have to do him like that. (laughs) What does it say? Uh, uh, Dear HBC, it was a pleasure being your co-star and coaster. Wow. (laughs) What a a clever pun I made when I was young. I mean, I'm honestly still kind of pleased with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, In the sense that I always ended up holding your coffee. I do love you. Then what does it say? Oh, I can. We can share this. Now, I said, I do love you, and I just wish I'd been born 10 years earlier. I might have been in with a chance. (laughs) Lots of love, and thanks for being cool. Isn't it nice? No, I shall always treasure that. Thank you. That is in my toilet, Dan. (laughs) My favourite is, I have that in my toilet, Dan. (laughs) (laughs) I love the thought of that sitting on top of her toilet. Like... Uh, so yeah, that was really nice. And you know, you really helped me out. Right. You really helped me out that day because I was sad about it. And you said, you know what, Ross? Anyone could have written Harry Potter. The next Harry Potter is sitting in the bottom of someone's desk right now. And honestly, what makes it what it is anymore is us. Yeah. It's ours now. We don't have to give Joanne any more credit. We don't. You know what I also love? I love what Rupert Grint says. J.K. Rowling is still my auntie. I just don't agree with her. We've all got a phobic aunt, uncle, grandma, grandpa. Indeed. Third cousin, twice removed. Mm -hmm. Like, we've all got problematic family members. And you know what? Fine. Yeah. If you're going to be that way, fine. She can be my phobic auntie. Yeah, like, (laughs) Jesus Christ. We only talk about her when we have to. I don't respect you, Joanne. I don't either. Like, my God. Like, why you gotta be that desperate to tank your whole empire? Indeed. It's not worth it. Cursed Child was already pretty desperate. No, that was, yeah! And you bastardized your whole plot, and then you did the worst thing. 
Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. No, I just want to be like, ma'am, ma'am, please back away from the intellectual property. (laughs) Quit beating that horse, it's dead. No, it's still spitting out money. (sighs) Anyway. So yeah, it was really nice to get to see that. And you know, after we watched that special, we had ourselves a little dystopia day. We had a movie marathon. We watched all fucking four of the Hunger Games movies. Because I had already done that around Christmas time and I wanted to put her through them too. And And she agreed. I'd never seen them all. So like, I and I never finished the books. And you know what? I re-listened to the books at work just recently. I understand what you mean. Everything from her perspective, I also don't like her. No, yeah. I, like, I like movie Katniss. I don't like book Katniss. Yeah, I know. I, I really don't like her as a person. And I know you're not supposed to. <laughs> I know you're supposed to question her character. It's literally the point of her. But, like, yeah. No, I, I just don't. I'm not a fan of the way they're written. They're not. Yeah, they could be better. And, but, like, her first person perspective is really limiting. But, listen, I'll tell you what. Catching Fire... Which is the best one, by the way. No, I was, I was, you know how I feel about those middle movies. Yeah. And like, I was like, I don't think so. That, that can't be the way of it. And then we watched it. We watched all of them. I went, wow, you're right. That was the best one. I saw Catching Fire and IMAX in 2013. Holy shit. It was the best, one of the best movie going experiences I've ever had in my life. I believe it. It was so good. Oh my God. In the big IMAX theater, especially all those shots with the dome. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was breathtaking. It was breathtaking. And then I remember saying to you, I don't remember if we were halfway through Mockingjay 1 or 2, but I looked at you halfway through one of those movies and I went, I'm bored. (laughs) It was Mockingjay Part 1. Yeah, no, I was like, I was, and it it was- And you want to know why you were bored? Because it didn't need to be two movies. (laughs) It's a trilogy. (laughs) Shout out to The Hobbit. My God. (laughs) Battle of Five Armies Part 1 and (laughs) 2? Deathly Hallows Part 1 and 2? Oh, remember how much I hated the first Deathly Hallows? Yeah, you're all so bored during that, aren't you? I did. I came. You want to know why? Because it's all the obscure parts of the first book. I came out of the theater going, that was Blair Witch with magic. Stop. (laughs) We got kids wandering around in the woods lost for 45 fucking minutes. Looking for Lord Voldemort's favorite play toys. All right, guys, the time has come for our big announcement. Can you guess what it is? (laughs) Can you? Can I get a drum roll, please? Guys, we have a Patreon! Oh my god, give us your money! (laughs) Don't say it like that. You're right, you're right. But guys... (laughs) We're going to be doing some long-form content for you here. Yeah, we're going to try to move more into television, discussing television, and talking about film franchises so that you don't have to go a year without seeing the next one. Exactly. Like, it's going to be a good time. And, like, we're still new to this. If, if you go, We're going to provide the link to it in the related media. If it looks a mess, that's because we're brand new. 
Please try to be patient with us. We're trying to keep things simple in these early stages. Right now, there's only one tier for $5. You guys get access to all of the long form content we're coming up with in the coming months. In honor of Betty White, the first piece of content we will be covering on the Patreon is the Golden Girls. Yes, you're going to want to be around for that, guys. Like, we're not going to do the whole series because that would be forever. Obviously not. But we are going to talk about a lot of great stuff, and we're also going to cover our two favorite episodes. More to come about our television setup, but you get the idea. Yeah, and also, by popular demand, and by popular demand, I mostly mean Ross... (laughs) We are resurrecting bonus episodes. Yay! I know we haven't had a bonus episode in a year. All of our fun little content that you don't get on the regular feed. Yeah, yeah. You guys are going to have access to all of those bonus features, all of those outtakes. And guys, as soon as we can get some data recovered, you'll have (laughs) access to all of our previous episodes as well. Yeah. That is on the to-do list. Yes, absolutely. So guys, go over, check out our Patreon page. You'll see that the solitary tier is called the Little Onion Tier. Little Onion Tier, because you're our little onions and we love you. And you know, that's as good a segue as any. To introduce our first feature of 2022. Yes, it is. Ross, tell them all about it. For our first selection for the 2022 kicking and streaming season, we will be covering perhaps... The greatest sequel to ever be made. <laughs> oh my god. He's mean. He's green. He's an ogre. <laughs> Folks, please join us next week as we cover the 2004 DreamWorks animated classic, Shrek 2. So guys, please come back next week on the regular feed to join us for Shrek 2. And if you are so inclined, in these troubled times, please consider supporting us for $5 a month on Patreon. We'd really love you guys for it. It's only $5 a month. What's wrong with that? Go ahead. Give us your money. (laughs) We would absolutely be honored. You'll have access to some really great in-depth content and a lot of things we love. And we hope you'll also love. Don't forget, folks, go follow us on Twitter at Kick and Stream. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. You can write the show at Kicking and Streaming Podcast at gmail.com. That's with an and, not an ampersand. And don't forget, folks, please be practicing the three R's. Rate, review, and retweet. Rate, review, retweet, folks. You cannot vote for Joe Biden in 2024. <laughs> Ross! <laughs> we want everyone to come and join our little watch party. More quality content coming to you from kicking and streaming. Until then, I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And as always, sorry, sorry, Mom. Mom. For real, do not vote for Biden Harris. Stop it. Vote for a socialist. (laughs) Don't vote for the Democrats anymore. Don't get anything done. (laughs) Sanima and Manchin, I'm watching you.